Hello, welcome back to Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. I am Mike Casaza, back again for part of our Looking Back at the Decade series here of podcasts. As we wrap up 2019 and the 2010s, although I suppose there's a debate that the decade doesn't actually end until next year. Someone told me that, I'm not sure I believe it or agree, especially now that we're two full episodes into Looking Back at the Decade. I don't have time for that. I do have time for Chris Anderson to join me on this conversation as we look into basketball. Um, fierce feedback to our offense and defense look at football. I expect more of the same here because, once again, easy calls and a lot of tough calls here to fill out a 13-person roster. Uh, you're going to get some negative feedback from me if we keep agreeing on absolutely everything on the basketball like we pretty much did in football. So I, I might have a couple wild cards up my sleeve on this one. My New Year's resolution is to zag when you zig, because I guess I don't do that enough. I'm not the contrarian enough here. Um, so maybe, I, uh, maybe I've come around to the dark side or the light. I don't know. But yeah, we did seem to have a lot of the similar thoughts. And even where we differed, it was more of who's three, who's four, who's six, who's five on certain things. And by and large, you had, um, I don't know, most of it was the same. I think when you look at the teams on paper in football, um, Similar conclusions where, you know, the highs and the and the, the stars were pretty obvious, and then it did dip a little bit. And then that kind of aligned with concerns and issues that dotted and defined the decade for football, where it didn't have great this or didn't have enough depth here. And you can kind of see that when you look at an all-decade team. And I noticed right away an issue with basketball when we put teams together. And there are not a lot of four-year players um, there are some, but there are not a lot of four-year players because a ton of transfers out and in, and then really some of your best players or people who would be good enough to make an all-decade team, but they only played one season or have only played one and a half season in the decade. It kind of muddied the water on this one a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I, I really thought when you know you brought up this idea and make a team and make it 13 and I'll try to make – a starting five, I was like, oh, no problem. That'll be cake picking out five. It'll be more of a debate of who's good enough. Maybe some of these bench guys are too good to be bench guys. Maybe they should be starters. But I ran into, I had, four, like, I, I don't want to jump ahead, but like four clear-cut starters. And then a lot of guys that, like you mentioned, were, do I want to have that guy as a starter? Is he good enough to be a starter on an all-decade team? And the guys that you would think would be all decade kind of spanned, you know, split their career between last decade and this decade, which which made it tough. Yeah, a top five is equal parts hard and easy because I think you could fill it. But I think there's a, a pretty thick top of the crop there where there are a couple players who are no brainers. And then there are, are, are maybe the same number of people or the same number of spots that are filled by perhaps twice as many people who could be, but are they as good as those first two or three guys we talked about? I don't know. But um, what also strikes me as odd is how many players that didn't make it or didn't last or just didn't click that you thought had a chance to be good. So let me ask you this. Who is not on your 13 that you would have never have expected to leave off your 13. Like they had exactly what you were looking for when they arrived, you know, their reputation, the fanfare said, you know, one day in December, 2019, I'm going to sit down and podcast with someone who I don't yet know. <laughs> and, and he's going to be on my list. My, my point is, are there surprises of guys that 
you just thought, hey, this guy's a sure thing, and then it just didn't work out? Uh, if you're talking like coming out of high school, like Jabari Hines, I thought was going to be one of the best point guards they've had. And Aaron Harris obviously started out uh, okay. I, I mean, I, or, or good. Let's go good. Um, and then obviously was not around for the rest of it. There were a couple guys like that, just like you said, that I was like, here we go. And I would have projected that would one day be on the all all decade team, but just ended up not there. And those are the first two that come to my mind. Transfer decade for sure. I think that's one of the top storylines. Um, let me just read you names of players who transferred in, okay? Okay. Casey Mitchell, junior college player of the year. Um, Dominique Rutledge, a really good athlete who was kind of betrayed by injuries. Juwan Staten, Eric Murray, Matt Humphrey, Remy Debo, John Holton, Jay Sean Page, Tariq Phillip, Billy D. Williams, Tavon Myers, D'Angelo Hunter, Wes Harris, Jermaine Haley, Andrew Gordon, Taz Sherman, Sean McNeil. Um, some players there may make your list. Some players there make that list of, I think that guy's going to make it, and he didn't. Um, why so many transfers? Was it because there were so many players out? Was it because that they needed help in certain areas? That's a big number there. Well, I think, you know, a lot of people are going to mention Huggins and, and how he can rub some people the wrong way. But I also think he was more than willing to, as he is it, it it a nice balance, uh, I guess is a way to put it, of a guy's not fitting there. And I think both sides realized it. And Huggins was willing to help them find a new landing spot uh, for most cases, not all, certainly. Um, but and because I think he also thought if this isn't going to work, I want him out. And we've seen that over the years where there's been wholesale changes when things have gone wrong and you're out, you're done. If you're going to bring other people down with you, uh, then we've seen Huggins kind of push them out the door. Absolutely. He's always had an affinity for the second chance guys, and that's before he got a second chance in his career. Like when he was a Cincinnati junior college guys, he had a spot for it. And a lot of his good players there were junior college guys too. Um, I think what strikes me as odd is that there are very few traditional transfers on that list. In fact, um, Staten, who they had a relationship beforehand, and he went to Dayton, which was kind of a surprise, but they were happy to get him. Eric Murray, um, some people lobbied on his behalf, and Matt Humphrey, um, that was a disaster, but not a lot of traditional guys there where you figure they're, they're four to four guys. No, these are usually junior college, four-year college guys, and I don't, I don't know that he's going to do a postgraduate player again. Um, I think he tried this year, and it just didn't work, but that was an exception because that was a pretty unique talent, maybe one of the best players available, but um, does like junior college guys. I don't, I don't, just talking to him before, I don't think he likes the fact that a guy has to sit out a year because that's one less guy who can help the players that are there. So if you're playing 12 on 13 or 11 on 13, that's hard on the players who are on your 12 or 11. I think he feels for that, and he doesn't want to do it. And that's maybe why junior college guys or guys who are immediately eligible, like a Gabe Osaboyan, who I forgot to mention. I'm sorry. That's another guy you can add. Um, they liked him a lot because they had a pretty good thought that they could get him eligible, which happened. But I think if they were told no way he's going to be eligible, they might have walked on that one there too. Um, transfers out. Are you ready? Go for it. Put new ice in your drink. This might take a while, okay? Yeah. Uh, Dalton Pepper, Dan Jennings, Keaton Miles, Tommy McCune, Jay Forsythe, Aaron Brown, Jabari Hines, Aaron Harris, Terry Henderson, Voldemir Guerin, 
also Remy Debo, uh, also Billy D. Williams, Beetle Bolden, Lamont West, Magic Bender, Magic Bender, Bender, uh, D'Angelo Hunter, who was a transferring guy, um, Teddy Allen, Trey Dooms, Andrew Gordon, who was a transferring guy. So a number of transfer in, transfer outs, and I mean, full recruiting classes worth of people who transferred out. Um, to me, it caused or was the effect um, of having to overhaul the roster. Like, I mean, the, it just bad fits, bad guys, bad players. I don't know if it was recruiting misfires or whatever. Um, I think one thing that sticks with me is that when Huggins got a little prickly one time about talking about how many players from X amount of recent recruiting classes didn't make it, um, he said, yeah, but it's not like they're going on to other schools and playing somewhere, which is a good point. What are you losing? What are you getting, though? Like, how come those guys are here? Like, if they can't cut it at West Virginia, but they can't cut it at UMass or Temple or St. Joe's or wherever else they go, um, yeah, you're getting guys who can't cut it here but can't cut it anywhere else. And um, he's not bad at what he does. I know that. And they've certainly rebounded with their recruiting. But just though that that patch there where they couldn't get the right guys and couldn't keep them on campus, um, what a monkey wrench in this decade, right? Yeah, I mean, I can't even. All I think about it was that was it 2013, 14, uh, where it felt like, like you said, almost an entire recruiting class transferred out, and then they had to make all of these late ads just to kind of almost field the team the following year. And and granted, a lot of those guys ended up not doing much. I think Aaron Harris maybe did the most and really didn't do that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and West Virginia came out the other side of it doing all right. You know, uh, things started turning back up after that. So I, I think there's a lot of turnover. I think some of it has to do with with Huggins. Some of it has to do with the the style of what basketball is. And, and when I say Huggins, I mean, as you mentioned, he is taking risks on some guys, and sometimes that doesn't work out. Um, but if you do a plus minus, I think West Virginia has come out on the front end of that. Yeah, it helps when you get the guys that they've gotten this year, and it's still early, but it looks like that maybe if you were unsure about McNeil or Sherman, certainly McNeil has answered the bell, and it looks like Sherman's going in the right direction. Osaboyan, I think, is doing exactly what they thought he would do. Um, maybe he's a little bit better passer. Maybe he's not quite the scorer, but I think that relative to expectations, that's it. Uh, like to see McBride score a little bit more consistently or shoot a little straighter, and then Shibway just is what he is. I mean, he seems like... Perhaps he's not a daily double-double, but he's certainly capable of it on a daily basis, and he's been up to the billing right now, too. So, yeah, recency matters there, too. Forgot um forgot Wes Harris, who was another transfer in, transfer out. And then, like, important players who just didn't finish. Uh, Elijah Macon, Devin Williams, Sagabah, Kanate, and then I guess Issa Ahmad, too. He was out after his senior year anyways, but he got the boot during his senior year, too. So just a lot of roster upheaval and, and turnover, you know, before, during, and after seasons. It made it hard to accomplish a lot and I think when you look at the just the win loss in a couple of um, these seasons if you put the 10 records in a row you could pretty much patch um, up where 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 was the attrition probably in this lousy season probably in this lousy season and by and large you would be a hundred percent correct there let's um let's go to the team and how we're going to do this we picked 13 um, let's do it in tiers if you don't mind top five middle five and then how you fill out your bench, and that's probably an absurd thing to say because your 10, 11, 13 guys are going to be guys who started in college probably. Um, but we're left with 13 spots here. Um, and we talked about how it's easy 
er, and then still easy to figure out your top six, seven, eight, I guess. But it does get tricky there. Um, I just noticed a lot here. Um, really good guard play, and some of the transfers really did click. Yeah, I that's what I was going to ask you before we, we got moving here. Um, again, maybe this is something we should have talked about before we started Ideally. recording. Yeah. Um, are you doing – I did a kind of a, quote, traditional starting five of two guards – uh, uh, two guards, two big men, and then maybe a wing, or maybe you know, try a swing player. Maybe somebody who could be a guard, somebody who could be a forward. Whatever you want to do with that fifth spot. What? How did you approach it? I I tried to rank it as best as I could. Um, okay. But I also found that by doing that, I still went with traditional lineups pretty much. And when I came to a spot where who should be ahead of one another, I tried to fit into positionals. Okay. Um, but it pretty much works out. All right. Do you want to start with your two your two top guards then? Well, let's let's go with this because I think there, there's two obvious players that make sense, but they play different positions. I don't know how you can have a top whatever, a top three or a top thirteen, and not have Javon Carter and Kevin Jones both in. Easy, right? Correct. They okay. were like I said, I had four no doubt starters for me personally, um, and those two were uh, the very first two names I wrote down. Yeah, um, four year guys, successful teams, NCAA tournament runs, um, all timers here. I don't know what a Mount Rushmore will look like. Um, I asked my class this sometime. By the way, did you know I teach a sports journalism class? Uh, I do. Okay, I probably mentioned that once or twice. But one thing that we'll do during the semester is we'll debate certain things and who's on your Mount Rushmore of football and basketball. Football is always diverse because you get coaches or whatever in there. And there's been a lot of influences um, on the sideline and also on the field. Basketball is alarming because um, there are people who understand who Jerry West and Rod Thorne and – yeah, that that era was, but there are people who also have been alive for what they've seen recently in this decade, and it surprises me how many people put Deshaun Butler in there, but also Javon Carter and Kevin Jones. But when I think about it, it's really not absurd to put those two in there. Um, I have no problem with them being in like your top four all-time players in the school because their careers, while in this decade, I don't think that that even matters. I think if you stack them in different times, it would have been all-timers there too. Um, true to say that we saw two of the, I don't know, ten best five best of all time this decade? I think so. I think that's a fair assessment, uh, especially. Crazy. I, I mean, we can't, it's hard to do eye tests because I I obviously never saw Jerry West play at West Virginia, never saw Rod Thorne play at West Virginia, but um, heck, I didn't even see Mo Robinson or any of those guys play. But uh, I saw Javon Carter play. I saw Kevin Jones play. They were next-level talents, and then you look at statistically what they did over four years, and it stacks right up there with anybody else in school history. You have 2-2-1 two, two, or 2-3, or how did you do your five? So I had, I had two guards, two bigs, and then my fifth, I it depends on how I want to look at it. I have a couple guys that went in there because I started to put another forward but then didn't feel like it would make the best five-man team. So I – because he didn't really fit with the other skill sets, the other four. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of moved it around a little bit. Uh, but I can I can adjust on the fly. No, uh, it makes sense. It's functional. How about this? Why don't you tell me your next guard in big then? Because I think I'll fall in line with you there. My next guard is Staten. Bingo. And my big is Devin Williams. Let's go over those two for a second. They're interesting players. Staten was a transfer. And to be frank with you, Looked like a miss his first year here, or looked like a guy who certainly wasn't going to turn out to be who he was. Miss is a strong word, but bench for a game, which Huggins is wont to do, um, seemed to be 
more of an extension of the problem than a beginning of the solution. And he really flipped that around. His transformation between his second and third years was terrific and then was the preseason player of the year in his fourth year. Um, what type of a success story is that for him? Because a gamble, again, to go for a Division One transfer has got to sit out and just didn't look like he had it the first year. But, wow, he really vindicated that at the end. Uh, yeah, I'm curious what changed for him just between that sophomore and junior year that you mentioned. Because when he came from Dayton, um, you know, his stats weren't crazy, crazy good. You know, he was he was point guard for them. He averaged over five assists a game, but he wasn't a big scorer. He wasn't a great shooter from the field. Um, but and I'm not sure I, I'm not too familiar with how he's perceived in Dayton uh, and around the A10. Uh, I'm not it's not my forte. But I don't think he was a big defensive player. And then I feel like, like you said, that first year, I was like, oh, man, that was a waste. Because I think there was a debate. Who else was on that team that year? Wasn't it? Uh, was that Hines as well was coming in that season? Or somebody else was coming in that season yeah, that uh, to play loss. point guard? That was your lost season there where things just didn't really work out like they thought it was going to work out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was Jabari Hines was in there. And I was thinking that Jabari Hines was going to be the answer instead of Staten. And wow, that was wrong. That was a bad take. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, and then and then I felt like his game also adjusted between his junior and senior year because he took on such a load that junior year, uh, scoring load, and then was dishing it out more that that his senior year. I mean, maybe not dishing it out more, but he had more of a team around him, and. I really felt like he was a complete player those last two seasons. And this is where things get weird again, why it's fun to look back, because what if I told you that he averaged 7.6 points, uh, 3.3 assists, 2.9 rebounds a game his freshman year, or excuse me, his sophomore year. That was pretty good. You figure that's a good start. But, man, um, 0 for 9 for three-point range. He shot 37% from the field. So even if you take away the three, the nine threes, uh, you're talking a guy who was 76 out of 193. Not great. Um, and just seemed like a chemistry experiment that hadn't worked, but you're right. He flipped it around. By the way, he was an all freshman player in the A-10, so he had some um, bona fides there, but didn't transition smoothly. But, boy, you're right. The second year, you talk about taking on extra work, uh, took 220 more shots, actually made some threes, went to the foul line about 150 times more, doubled his rebounding, more than doubled his shooting, uh, almost doubled his assists. I mean, just a fantastic improvement, but also – 37.3 minutes per game that year. Two. Monster games. I mean, we're talking rows and rows of 40 minutes at a time, and like an off night would be like 36 minutes. There's one game that he played 28, and I believe that was the fewest minutes he played that season, and that was the second-to-last game of the year. Um, that was the loss to Texas in the tournament, and he was, eh, he was okay that game. One of 11, four points, didn't really work out. Played 28 minutes, they lost, and then they got bounced in the NIT in a YMCA gym in Washington, D.C. in the <laughs> next game. But the end of the NIT season, it really turned things around. 2015 comes along, and everything seems to change. Um, and he was a big part of that, too. That was kind of getting things back on track. His senior year was when some guys that we'll get to were freshmen, including Carter. But um, 2015 things really did change. And a part of that was Williams, who was another guy that um, you'd think didn't have a monster career when you look at his numbers no doubt about that um a guy who didn't shoot a great percentage even though he spent so much time near the rim never shot 50 percent in the season shot 44.5 percent for his career but he put up darn near double doubles every game for two years 
Yeah, I think uh, it left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth with it, with him leaving early. But statistically, it is a, a a no-brainer for him to be one of the big men on this team. So, uh, you know, maybe it's not uh, the game anymore for a traditional center like himself. I think he's a little more stiff, but um, he's good. He was really freaking good, and he was really productive. So he was no doubt for me. 1,134 points, 846 rebounds, including 299 in offense. Um, a career, 11.1 points, 8.3 rebounds. But again, man, just for a guy who was such a force around the basket, had no finesse around the basket at times. It could just roll out one-footers and could miss the shots that seemed like they should go in because he's so big and strong. Um, kind of a fascinating and perhaps at the same time, a periodically frustrating player because so big, so gifted, but... You know, if half of his missed one-footers go in, <laughs> how many more points a game? And how many, like, how different is his shooting percentage there? Just you figure those are shots a big guy should make, but um, never really came together for him as explosively or as emphatically as you'd think somebody who looks like that and moves like that could. But also, um, underrated defender. Not a lot of block shots. Uh, in fact, 22 in his career, but was a rock at the bottom of that press. Um I don't think people realize that he was he was really good at that too. It's hard to even explain, but they funnel and spin so many things in that press toward the basket. And you could probably explain this better than me that um, he just stood there and turned things away. He grabbed missed shots and never gave up second chance uh, baskets. It seemed like, but he was just a, a big body at the back of that press. That I don't know. It, it, am I wrong there that that guy got not as much credit defensively as he should because of what he meant in the press? Even you think that's more guards, but he was important. Yeah, I, I think you have to. There's only certain people that can fill in in the back and. Typically, it's not a traditional center that goes back there. No, uh, right. That sounds odd. It's usually the center's up in, in the center of that, say, one through one or whatever. But he was good. Yeah, I think he was a big help. So um, I, I always wonder if he were, say, playing on this team 25 years ago, mm -hmm. does he just dominate? Different time, man, right? I yeah. Mean, he certainly could could make that case, I would think, too, uh, of, of being one of those what-if guys um, you put in different spots and maybe it works. Here's where things are probably going to fork a little bit. Our fifth player, you have a guard or a big? Well, I am debating between uh, Oscar Shibway, Derek Culver, Emmett Matthews, or Miles McBride. What do you think? <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you're serious. No, you're not. You uh, thought you some were biting those, on it. Some of those, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so, like I said, I was debating between, uh, you know, who's just my fifth best player? Who's going to – is that a wing? Is that a guard? Who's going to fit best on this team? I think uh, this might sound crazy to some people. Um, it did to me at first, but the more I think about it, the less crazy it sounds. Uh, Daxter Miles as my fifth. Uh, especially as far as a fit goes with that team that uh, the other four guys I just mentioned. How crazy am I? Uh, he would be, would be on the court, I think. I mean, he could play a position. Um, I came down to him and the person who I actually picked. Um, and this is one of those things where you look back and you go, oh, my gosh, he was a lot better than I thought. I think he was pulled down by the teams he was on a little bit. and um, But Chuck Bryant had a really good career. <laughs> Oh man, you went there quick. I, Chuck was yeah. Uh, I mean, he's statistically he's what top ten or so in points and assists and minutes and games played. Uh, 
I mean, his name is all over the record books for West Virginia. And I kind of went into this exercise thinking, ha ha, I'm not going to put Chuck in there. Um, like just because at times he could be so frustrating, but you can't ignore him. You can't ignore what he did. You can't ignore the the whole body of work that he put together at West Virginia. And I don't know if I ever considered him as a starter uh, on this all decade team, but he was clearly in my, uh, on my, you know, 13 man roster, like no doubt about it. Like top eight, top nine. 1,590 points. 388 hmm. assists. Um, but I I mean the shooting percentage is 35.9 from the floor, 32.7 from three-point range. Um, and beyond that, he took 1268 shots and 603 of them were threes. Um, when your percentages are that low, you probably shouldn't be that high on attempts in either one of them. Um, I think some of that was he had to. He had to. Like he was a, a backup on the 09 team, um, a starter from most of the final four season until he got hurt. Um, and then the guy really with Kevin in 2011 and then on his own in 2012, um, um, I just, the numbers are what they are. 17 points a game his senior year that I think people forget. I mean, he was right around 10, his first two or three years, uh, nine, eight, nine, three and 11, three, and then got the ball a lot. And I mean, took 438 shots and 233s, but also 222 free throws when he was, um, a senior grabbed 101 rebounds. Had 89 assists, but um, high volume scorer. He needed to get a lot of shots to get a lot of points, but he got a lot of points and he had to take a lot of shots. Uh, 37.3. I played that you were just talking about uh, Juwan Staten's yeah. minutes in 2014. Uh, same number of minutes. Uh, one, excuse me, one minute less in the entire season than Staten. They averaged, they both averaged 37.3 minutes per game. Um, you know, talking about carrying, trying to carry the load there. Uh, just uh, truck did it a couple years earlier. Actually, I think I said he was on his own in 2012, but him and Kevin were the same age, right? They're both freshmen in 09, which means they're both on the 2012 team together, but put up a lot of numbers with not a one man gang, I guess. But when there's so much attention on Kevin Jones, because he was the obvious um, moneymaker on that team in 2012, um, Kevin had a worthy accomplice out there, some guy who could help him out in the perimeter. Um I think an underrated career. I think if you look at the numbers, they impress you, but they also deserve some explanation because there maybe are low percentages, but I think there's a need there too. But um, also had one of the most fantastic innings I've ever seen. Do you remember the the game against Louisville at home where he got an, a defensive rebound in the corner, like 90 feet from the basket and had to turn around and chuck it and pump faked and drew a foul and got three free throws and won the game? I vaguely remember that. I had never seen that happen before, and it actually worked, and he won the game. Yeah. Good player. Underrated, so, I think, when you look at it, but um, I wouldn't have a problem putting Dax in there. Um, I think if you look at it, four guys who um, probably had parallel careers, too. Two, excuse yeah. me, two guys who had parallel careers. Yeah, I think, and even looking at that as a team, so if, if you know my team or your team or whatever, Staten, Carter, Miles, Jones – Devin Williams, uh, yeah. I feel like you got it all. You know, pretty darn good team. I feel like you got it all, too. Uh, obviously, Staten and Carter can both pass. Um, Carter and Miles can both shoot. I, I think that was my concern at first. I was like, Staten and Carter on the court at the same time. But Carter was a near 40% three-point shooter for the last two years of his career. So right. yeah. I would feel comfortable with him as a, a quote-unquote shooting guard. And he and Miles and Staten all crashed the boards well enough that 
I'd feel comfortable with a three guard lineup too. And especially with how Jones and Devin Williams would gobble up rebounds anyway. Mm-hmm. You're trying to win a game. I'm trying to win a popularity contest. <laughs> but I like your five. I mean, I think we can agree. And I said this before, there are a lot of good guards. I don't think there's a problem putting three guards in your top five players of the decade too. Yours just happens to be different from mine. Um, I think if you pulled a lot of people, you probably find it the same top six and there might be a difference in five and six and half of them too, I would think. Yeah. Let's shift to our next five here. Um, let's say it's a double nickel substitution situation, which Huggins hasn't done often, but sometimes he did when they were really rolling with their press, and sometimes he does when he gets mad. Um, the next five here. I have Miles as my sixth. Um, I don't know if you have Truck as your sixth, but that was my either or there. And then I have, again, three guards and two forwards. Okay. I, uh, Actually, hold on. I'm sorry. I have two guards and three forwards. One, two. I have three. I have three guards and two forwards. And I had. I just had Brian at eight. But yeah, he's in my second five, second five. Okay. Um, how do you want to do this? Just read your fives. Or do you want to go? How? Let's do this. How are? Who are your? You have three guards, right? Yeah. All right. Tell me who your three guards are. So Brian, I right. said instead of Miles, uh, Jason Page. No. Go ahead. And Tariq Phillip. I have Miles, where you have Brian in the, in the second one, and I have Phillip. I do not have Paige. Do you have him at all? I do. Okay. Uh, I have him right on the shelf in the next one. Remember, his freshman year, I don't, his freshman year, his first year, there was a time where I wasn't sure he was going to be on the team his second year, and I'm not sure he was the greatest practice player or the greatest competitor that first year. But I think that when Huggins talks about how it takes guys a while to figure out how to play, I sometimes think that he's talking about Paige because Paige is a – I think if we're talking about pure athletes, Paige, Casey Mitchell, um, I mean a small number of guys who this decade were just gifted athletically. I, I think there's a small number and he would be right in that group. Um but that second year was so good, it's, it's impossible to admit him. I think that he figured out he had gifts and he had talents. And he, could <laughs> and he was an all-time heat check guy. He was a great six-man because he can come in and give you offense. He was capable of starting. He got on rolls. I just didn't put him in. I had definitely Miles and definitely Phillip, but I put in three forwards in my next group. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, I'm very curious about that because I got basically two forwards um, for sure on my 13-man roster. And then just a big debate of I don't know what for the final, say, three spots on that 13-man roster. So why don't you go ahead and say who your three forwards are? All right. Well, you have Adrian, one of them, right? Correct. 
Uh, and again, a guy who you probably wouldn't put in there, but he was very good his junior year. He was excellent his senior year. Probably one of the sneaky best defenders. Um, and as far as a team concept, one of the best in the decade for like doing his part as part of the five, but also being really good at what he did. Uh, and then I have Holton. Yep, that was my other one. Um, this is where things get really weird for me, um, and I did not put Page in. So Page is one of my final three, and I could have, I could have, and I thought about it, and he probably would have been next in line. This is where things get really strange, and you start to have to add people who are not popular or who didn't last or who didn't make it. And there are a number of candidates who will enter this conversation here. Um, I look at starts, minutes, stats, um, and when he was good, the team was good. Conversely, when he was not good, the team was not good. And I have Ahmad in there as my 10th player. Ooh. Really wrestled with it. Um, but again, when I started thinking about balances of front court, back court players, that was part of it. And in a, in a true ranking, maybe Paige is a little bit higher there, so that's fine. But this is the one that I think is going to spark some conversation because I frequently wondered what Issa Ahmad's senior night would be. Mm. It never happened, so we were deprived of that reaction and the conversation that would spark <laughs> because I don't know if he gets booed. I don't know if the cheering is because his career or he's out of here. It was an extremely divisive player. I would say the most divisive player. So let's stop here. Who's the most divisive player of the decade? I think you could argue Truck. I think you could argue Dax Miles. I think you could argue Issa Ahmad. Is there an outlier, or is it one of those three, and who is it? Are we leaving Sags out of this? Well, I was going to get there. Or is that we, for different reasons? We can Well, we can do that, too. I mean, it definitely split well, camps. Well, I, I have a whole thing on Issa, so if we want to stop there, I am, I am down, because I don't think you're that crazy for putting him on there. Actually, I don't think you're crazy at all. I think I might be a little biased, a little influenced here because at the time that he was coming out, he lived about three blocks from me in Cleveland. He lived in Shaker Heights. I lived in Cleveland Heights. And I saw him all through high school. I see, I saw him in high school more than probably any recruit I ever saw for any school ever. And I, I would have put, like my career on him being one of the best players to ever play at West Virginia. I thought he was, he had all the tools. He could do everything. And so I think I'm a little biased because I, I was putting him, I saw it. He has the potential. He, nobody will ever be able to tell me otherwise that he couldn't have been. Um, but the fact that instead of being one of the all time greats ever, he ended up being a mediocre or, or above average starter that just frustrated the heck out of the coaches, his teammates, the fans, and was eventually kicked off the team and suspended for another half season. It, it you know, what he did up to my expectations is just a vast difference. So I think that's why he was, because I thought about him. I was going to put him in and just because he couldn't live up to, and I don't, I mean, obviously, Hey, one of the all time greats is pretty high expectations, but God, was he talented? Yeah. So it's frustrating. Huge, huge hands and had potential for like above average ball skills, but was sloppy. I mean, a lot of turnovers. Um, and then despite being six, eight, eh, 230, 235, looked like maybe he got a little bigger at times. 
Um, he had four double-digit rebound games in his career. He played 112 games. He had four double-digit rebound games, and only one as a senior. Um, suspensions hurt. Um, turnovers hurt. You're talking about a guy who had 192 assists as a forward. It's pretty good. Um, he also had 220 turnovers, which is not good. Um, didn't play a lot of defense, but you know, in that pressing era, 99 steals. He blocked 65 shots. Um, I think probably the biggest what if there because man what if he had been right the whole time um what if he hadn't gotten suspended the first 15 games because i don't think he can argue that that 2018 team was doing all right and it wasn't the same when he got back right yeah what were they 14 and one yep something like that yeah Mm -hmm. that's a tricky one so yeah like i said you're probably more right my my emotions have gotten the best of me on that one and and i will readily admit that that is why he is not on my roster. So. Yeah, you're talking a guy who 10.39 points, but 9.3 for his career, only 4.3 rebounds, way more assist, turnovers and assists, never shot 70% in the season at the line, um, and never really got to the line a whole lot despite where he played. Um, shot too many threes, shot a low percentage, but even with a low percentage, he shot 46% from the floor, um, and he had some games where he could take off. And the one game where he went wild against Kansas, you thought that was going to be the turn in the corner, but it seemed like he found Roblox more than he found exit ramps to where he should have gone. Moving on. Um, you have not finished your 10, though, correct? No, I did. Philip, Philip, Page, Bryant, Adrian, and Holton were right. my next five. The final three, and Holton, let's talk about Holton for a second, too. Uh, a guy who came and sat out a year because of various reasons. That's another, actually another Division One transfer, and that was a gamble because he had some legal issues before he arrived. There are quite a few guys who had legal things that people were um, worried about. Uh, Tariq Phillip is another one that you never would have thought of, and it was kind of a bogus thing, but he had to deal with it, and we paint with certain colors when we you know, sketch people. And yeah, Sometimes you worry about those things, but I think Huggins did his work, and Philip was a model citizen, a, a tea drinking guy who liked to um, get along with his teammates and liked to, you know, uh, chat with us and fit in. Basically, a ruthless competitor, though you would never know he was as cutthroat as he was. Um, Holton, again, little baggage, but that's an all A ten freshman guy, I believe, who sits out a year and then really becomes like a, a, a kind of like a perfect fit. Not huge stats, but for what, what they were trying to do. Boy, he had some great nights on the glass, and he could score, and he could really defend, too. Yeah, when I was thinking about my fit for that that first five, even, I honestly thought about putting Holton up there because I thought about the idea of having that kind of another big man who could play some defense, but uh, ultimately decided it's too much, too many big men uh, for that team, so slotted him to the second team. But, yeah, he is a great kind of fourth or fifth guy to have on your team, and I think um, – you know, even though his career at West Virginia was only two years, uh, he was above average to pretty darn good both of those seasons, and, and at times great. Yeah, uh, would have would have been a thousand point guy. Would have been a five hundred rebound guy if he had played four years. Probably, um, probably would have become a better three point shooter. He had great touch around the rim. Um, he had more balls. If if Williams had his touch. Williams might have scored 2,000 points. <laughs> uh, he just he got the ball to roll in. I don't know what it was because I'm not sure he was the smoothest player, but he uh, he ran the court well. He played good defense, and you could stick him on that one three one. He was so long, I think six seven, but boy, he looked like he was like seven feet tall sometimes when he ran around out there. Um, good rebounder, uh, okay passer, just but again, just did a little of everything. And as we sit there and we watch Culver and Sheway play together, 
and we wonder, oh man, why can't they space it better? Uh, Holton and Williams kind of had similar roles and played a ton together. Uh, they're not quite the the masses that she and Culver are. Certainly Williams was, but Holton's about 220, I think, at his height. Um, but those two really complemented each other well. They could rebound without getting in the way. They could play outside in. They could spread the court a little bit better. And um, just a really good part of that team, too. Also, you remember they beat um, Kansas in 2015. It was the day that it snowed really bad. Mm-hmm. And, like, are they going to cancel the game? Is Kansas going to be able to get there? Well, they win the game and they rush the floor. And I'll never forget this. Holton is on the um, Holton is on the scorer's table. And he's thumping his chest, and everybody's going crazy because they just hadn't had a moment like that in a long time. And um, next thing I know, someone hands John Holton the baby. <laughs> and if you know, like, Holton Holton didn't, like, I say he had good touch, but he would kick balls and boot balls and things like that. But um, someone handed John Bolton a child, <laughs> John Holton a child, and, like, if I remember, actually, it was the guy's name was Curtis Gerritsen. Um, so if he's listening, hey, Curtis. Um, he helped me out with the story. I believe his son's name was Turner. Um, and they had a hard time getting there that day because the snow was so bad. And uh, out on the floor celebrating and, like, like Lion King, just handed John Holton the baby. And <laughs> I don't even know it was, like, a baby. I think he might have been, like, seven or eight years old at the time. <laughs> but, like, why is John Holton on the scorer's table holding a small child? And, like, it just it rattled me. And I thought, like, this guy... This guy's pretty cool. And that was actually his first year. I was, I'm looking at the schedule now, January 13, uh, 2016. So um, not going to lie to you, sentimental part of me. Yeah, we got to get Holton on there because he handled a child flawlessly that day. So <laughs> final three spots. Um, this is going to be bad now. Um, a couple people we got to get in that probably deserve spots but don't get it. So instead of saying who your final three are, who are your apologies to that didn't make it? Uh, my apologies are to the one year of Deshaun Butler. Okay. Uh, I just couldn't. Uh, also, uh, apologies to the one and a quarter tumultuous years of Sagabacanate. Wow. You put him on there, didn't you? I'm not going to tell you. Um, yeah, I did not put him on. Uh, okay. Freshman year was just was okay. Um, brilliant his sophomore year. Can't discount what happened the third year. Um, can't put too much into the first year. Um, great second season. To me, not that different from, for example, Butler, where one year out of the ten, I'm not sure you can make it that transcendent of a season. Like Butler's senior year was really good, and that made it hard not to put him on. But when I think of him, I think about the aughts i guess you would call it 2000 to right. 2010 but he played most of his season most of his career in 06 07 07 08 08 09 and then a little bit of 2009 as well so um he's mostly there but yeah um that was a tough one um and then kanate was a tough one i think those are the two big leave outs for me there i've also somehow erased my list and i'm trying to get back up because i've made some changes here at the end um one two three four five six seven Eight, nine. I've already given you 11 names. I'm sorry, because I talked about Paige. Paige oh, is part yeah, because my... you said you didn't have him on your top 10. Okay. Paige's part of my final three. So um, I don't know. You want to go one by one here? You do one. I do one. Who's in your final three? Okay. So basically my entire debate about the last three spots came to down just to a bunch of guys who more or less have either only played a year or two so far or 
only a year or two of their career uh, carried over into this decade. So, um, and I didn't put them in order of 11, 12, and 13. So I'll just say. Uh, give, give, my, me one. give me one. Uh, Joe Mazzula. Oh, okay. Played a lot. Played two years. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm with Gary Brown. Okay. He was in, uh, he, you know, didn't, I think he played what, all four years in the, yeah, in the decade. I, he was on my list for debates, but I, I went with, since this was the 11th, 12th, and 13th spot, I went with the short and great over the long and solid. I did some of that. Okay. Um, but Brown, I think if you quiz players, was one of the favorite teammates, uh, one of the toughest, and then could do a little bit of everything pretty well. I don't think he was great at anything, but he could have been. But I think they asked him to do different stuff. And he was part of that time where he just didn't play a lot of minutes because they were pressing so much. But good defender, could play point guard, could play off guard. Uh, made big shots. Um, it just seemed like he was there. And again, that's a favor from a lot of people, including the coach. So uh, that tipped it for me there. Um, I put Culver on. I did too. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, that I, was a hard I, one for me. But I, I think that, I mean, it was him or Kanate, I think, at, at a certain point. And I've explained my Kanate stuff. And I think Culver has um, gone in the opposite direction in, in a good way. And I just wrote a story about him. Um, would have been Thursday about how open and transparent he is about everything. And um, he's he's living the explanation as to how things are changing. That's good. That points in the right direction to me. But his first, what are we talking about here, 35 games of his career, but a monster number. So those are really good signs, and I think that that counts. Because, again, if you're talking guys who had short flashes, his is as good or better than anybody else's. And we can think of him starting this in the 2010s for sure. So you have him. You have Missoula. I have Culver. I have Brown. This is where it gets really hard. And you had Paige, right, as your 13th? That would be my 13th. Okay. Um, So, again, I I was a little bit influenced by trying to even out the team and get some, uh, you know, how how well it would all fit together. Uh, Does John Flowers count? Would you – is it – is that nuts? I I was looking for just like a 13th guy that could really provide something that other guys on my team aren't. I'm probably as happy for John Flowers as I am for anybody after college because he ended his career the way he wanted to. He's a personality that people should get to know, and they did, and it's great for him. And, and he's had a good career, and he's done a lot of philanthropic stuff. He's on my all-human team, my all-good-for-you team. I didn't put him in there, but I don't think it's crazy, too. I think I don't have the numbers in front of it, but I think when I looked at it, his senior season was really good but wasn't as um i don't know as gaudy as some others were and mm-hmm. i believe he played a i believe his first i believe he played one other year his junior year was in the 2010s right yeah and it, was, it was all right but like i think he was a smaller part of the team that year important don't get me wrong but wasn't asked to do and didn't have to do as much and just didn't have the stats nothing against him it's just that relative to our parameters here yeah you well like that's him? that was the debate i because I, I had him and gary brown were my the two guys i was debating and and sags but i got rid of sags for reasons we've already gone over so it really came down to Flowers and Brown. And then I'm looking at it, and I, I you know, Brown's great, but like I said, this is where I might have been influenced by uh, the fact that I was trying to find a good team that could complete each other. And I already got Carter, Staten, Miles, Page, Phillip, Truck, Missoula. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, if I'm getting Brown, then he's like, what, my ninth best, eighth or ninth best guard. Um, so I was trying to get a, a bigger guy, and I think I might have been a little bit influenced by the fact that John Flowers 
waited till he was 27 to all of a sudden find an amazing three-point shot. So <laughs> that might have affected my uh, decision again. I think uh, I was thinking he could be a swing, a swing wing that could shoot some threes, and uh, I forgot he really didn't do that uh, much in college. No. Um, great senior year, and it took people by surprise, but I think everybody said that guy could be a really good player. And also, first Huggins recruit. People forget that. Um, he had been committed to Beeline, and then – Huggins went to him right away and said, stick with me. We can make this work. Um, and he had a really good four-year run with them, too. So um, my 13, Carter, Jones, Staten, Williams, Truck Bryant, um, Holton, Adrian, Philip, Miles, Page, Ahmad, Brown, Colbert. And that's not in perfect order because I had Ahmad in my top 10. I just realized that. But those are my 13 there. Yours? Uh and here's I have my first team was Carter, Staten, Miles, Jones, and Devin Williams. Second team was Paige, Phillip, Bryant, Adrian, and Holton. And my end of the bench kind of uh, get a few minutes here and there and do something well. Missoula, Culver, and Flowers. Man, those are good teams. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me ask you about two guys who didn't make it that I really thought hard about. Um, one has enormous numbers, and neither one of us mentioned him. But Lamont West. Hmm. Have you seen his numbers in his career? I did not even. I mean, I I looked at. I, you know, obviously was aware of him, of course, but it never even crossed my mind to be quite honest that he might be part of this all-decade team. And yeah, I mean, statistically, he's done better than a lot of these guys. Some of these guys, mm-hmm. not a lot, but. Are you looking up his stats? Uh, I'm looking at him right now, yeah. What do you see? Well, Are you surprised would be my question. Actually, he's a worse three-point shooter than I remember. Is that a thing? High volume. High volume, yeah. But they didn't want him messing around inside the two-point line. Like, they tried to post him up some, but, like, we're like, what are we doing here? Is this the best idea? But, like, the total points surprised me. Like, he would have been, I don't know, a 1,200-point score if he had stayed this year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, At least, 945, and then 9.4, 11.1 his final two years. Um, I mean, he did make 154 threes. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, really good free throw shooter. Uh, didn't really – I mean, assists and rebounds are not things you measure him by. Um, and it was a good a good option off the bench, it seemed like, but um, not the most accurate shooter. But I looked at his numbers, and I was like, I can't believe he scored 945 points. I can't believe oh, 153s. Like, those are big numbers. And neither one of us even mentioned him. And I'm starting to wonder why. Because I mean, here's a guy who shot 40% from three. No, wait a minute. No, 33. No, 30. That's what I said. I thought he shot around 40%, but it was closer to like 31 or something like that. Right. right? So our distortion there probably explains it a little bit. But, um, I mean, he could get hot and he can get going. Not Not the most consistent player, but – if you look across three seasons, I mean, he had he had a pretty good run. I mean, that's one of those guys that you're going to look back at and say he was probably 10% better than we actually thought, or maybe he wasn't as good. But, like, you look at his numbers, you're like, oh, my gosh. And then um, another one, Aaron Harris. Mm-hmm. Didn't last. Had two good years. Uh, his sophomore season was excellent. Um, the team wasn't good. But, again, that's a guy who had to take on a lot early because they just didn't have a lot of other options. But they decided they were going to chuck it that year. They're going to run and shoot a little bit and try to score. 17.2 points per game. Pretty good. Um, 85% from the line, 42% from three-point range. Uh, took 418 shots, 211 were threes. Um, limited in other areas, but 
that's a guy who had he stuck for two more years probably would have been a really good player. I mean, imagine him running with that 2015 team and 2016 team. You might not be able to imagine him pressing, but man, getting open shots again in transition, he might have been leap on those two teams. Yeah, but does he last with Huggins? I mean, I feel like that's got to be part of it. I mean, obviously, I think we eliminated him because he was only here two years. Um, at least I did because I, I looked at it. I saw that season. And I think as far as pure scoring goes, it was like top 25 all time at WVU. Um, but not just wasn't going to work for me for a lot of the same reasons. Kanate didn't work for me. So, I mean, 13.6 point per game is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not a four-year career that's extended. And again, I'm not sure that they play the way they played in 15 and 16 if he's on the team because I'm not sure he could press. But also they brought in so many guards, and Huggins wanted such an attitude change that he put in a defense that may guys, you know, be salty, be aggressive. But, uh, boy, he was good. Like, I, I, his offense was was at an early age, like, on a level that you didn't expect. And he could really score. He needed shots, but he could make shots, too. So those were, um, those were two for me. Do you have favorite transfers, out or in? Like, just purely for, set, like, superficial reasons? <laughs> superficial reasons. Uh, what was the, the big guy that went to Long Beach State? Now I'm forgetting his name. Oh, yeah, that would be Dan Jennings, who left a game at halftime and wrote a farewell message on the dry erase board and split. Yes. Uh, All-time favorite here uh, at the Anderson house. Uh, uh, Man, I I, I feel like Staten's got to be up there for me just because I I loved his game, especially going in those last two years. And But for fun reasons, I got to put Dan Jennings as as my go-to. What about Tommy McCune, who was very surprised to get off the bench at the Garden and so surprised that he had his pants on backwards? <laughs> Where did he end up? I can't even remember. Oakland. Oakland. Ah, yes. Um, so that was interesting. Um, Matt Humphrey was, I would say, in retrospect, one of the least popular players. Um, I liked him. I liked talking to him. But he was be bouncing around. He was at BC. He was at Oregon. Um, he got a technical for calling John Higgins something that I can't repeat here. And I don't even think fans who hate John Higgins would have applauded what he said after the game. He made a very compelling argument that Higgins was, um, anti West Virginia because, and it didn't make sense because he's from West Virginia. He's not, he's from Nebraska. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how that became part of his thinking, but he was convinced. Um, that was good. Uh, and then just, I look at these other guys and I wonder what happened to them. Uh, also, another another guy in the sneaky athletic team would be Billy D. Williams. I think they thought he was going to be a, a good possibility in the future once they got him going. Uh, just didn't fit with the way they were trying to play and took one of the worst shots I've ever seen. Um, it was like a hook shot that he literally shot when he launched with his back to the basket against Kentucky. And that's how bad that game got. Is that Billy D. got out on the floor and played in that game in the NCAA tournament. And I mean, you could tell he didn't belong out there that day. Um, and how did I forget Remy Debo, one of my all-time favorites? I think I'm not kidding. He he was. It's weird. Like he had his issues uh, when he was at West Virginia, but he was incredibly good before he got to West Virginia. He was incredibly good after. I mean, he played overseas in France for. He played pro ball for several years, like mm-hmm. all the way up until I think this year, maybe or last year, um, and was good. Averaging like double figure scoring and 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 several rebounds and a couple assists a game, 
in pro ball over in France and but was just really bad at West Virginia. He could make that standstill 10-footer from the side of the basket, which everybody seems to miss, but he seemed like he was good at that. He could actually make that shot. I don't know why or how it evades so many people. I don't know why or how he was good at it, but he was. Um, some other guys, you want to talk about some guys? Um, Aaron Brown was a guy that they thought would be a really good shooter and mm-hmm. was awful here. I'm not sure – what happened with Pat Forsythe? Like, I was always surprised that he made it on the campus and then just didn't last. Um, Keaton Miles was a longtime starter here. Remember that? Yep. And they Not went sure to Arca- back towards Arkansas, right? Yeah. Teddy Allen is kind of a sad story. He's um, Nebraska, committed this week. Did he really? Yeah. Um, I was just, surprised he was back. I mean, I knew he went went back to junior college, but I'm surprised so quick to find a new home. Surprises me, frankly. Uh, we mentioned Rutledge is one of the all-time good teammate guys. I think everybody really liked him a lot. Wes Harris, not sure you can say the same about. Um, so they had hits and misses. They had good and bad guys. And honestly, if you look at it, um, Harris started but didn't have a lot of rope at Michigan State. Um, Henderson started at NC State but had some injuries there. And of the guys who left, Really, a lot of them just didn't make it. Uh, and you know who I didn't think did, and he didn't at first, but apparently he had a, a pretty amazing senior year? No. Dalton Pepper. Yeah, at a Temple, correct? Yeah, I because I remember, you know, he had to sit out a year, and then I think that first year he barely played, only had a couple points a game, wasn't shooting well, nothing. And so I was like, well, there's another one that wasn't that big of a deal. Senior year. Averaged 17 and a half points a game and made 87% from from the free throw line and almost 50% from the floor. Wow. He was a good athlete, too. Um, He could really jump. If you remember the game against Clemson in the tournament, they threw him in and they played that 1-3-1 extended and kind of pressed a little bit. And I think he had two or three steals in a row and swung that game back in their direction. Or maybe they had to leave, but he made sure they closed it out. And then he was gone. I mean, that was a guy who for two years they thought, push, 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 is going to break through for him. And it does, and you think this is good. They got a guy they can lean on because they lost Kevin Jones and Chuck Bryant after that season. They also lost Pepper because he left. And I think that was the guy they really thought they were going to have. And that just kind of – that transition into the transition there too. It could have been could have been something with him. I think him and, and Mitchell's another guy. Mitchell was so athletic and such a good scorer and shooter, and he had some personal things he was trying to work out at times. Um in his, in his life with people around him that, that just weren't in good shape that affected him a little bit. Um, but I think, again, if you ask people, he was probably the best athlete that, that came through here in a while. He was, he was, he was a pretty good player than in a junior college sense that could have been good here, but still had good moments. He was a good piece in that, that final four team, but boy, he could have been something else too. Mike, did you know we have gone 20 minutes longer than either of the football podcasts? This was supposed to be the short one, man. This was supposed to be the short one. <laughs> it's worthwhile, though. Again, there were some tough discussions on this one, too. There are, um, I would say, fewer options, too, obviously, because of how many players are on a football team. There's fewer positions, too. But um, as you mentioned, a lot of it was so hard because players left, players arrived. They had shorter careers. It was tough to put it in there, too. Um, listen, do you think about Tavon Myers anywhere? Uh, only because I do those uh, little catch-up pieces on the guys over in Europe, and he was – 
I think he fell off this past year, but his first year out of college, he was like one of the top scorers in his league over there. Like a lot. What was it? It was like 17 points a game in his first year out. I gave him a thought not very long. He didn't have big numbers here, but one of the best teammates, a really good practice player, became a much better player once he took things seriously. And that's another guy that I'm not sure that how long he had here if he didn't get his act together, but he did. And um, I'm not sure he aspired to be like the 10th guy on the team, but he really fit that role well as like an extra guard that can come in and give you some good energy. And I don't think he really swung a game or had a big game that he saved him on a night where they didn't have it, but um, I'm not sure he did a whole lot to hurt either. And his personality and the way he was in practice really helped too. It didn't make my top 13. I'm not sure I gave him a ton of consideration, but um, that's a bright spot, I think, that a guy who – and he made everything, everybody better around him too. I liked him a lot. Well, and that was another thing. Yeah, you mentioned it. Uh, first off, 19 points a game his first year out of college, uh, playing pro ball over in Cyprus. And then 18 points a game in – what is that? Germany, I think. Uh, the following year but when I saw him playing with the best Virginia team this past summer um, he was exactly how I remember him in West Virginia that guy that was always smiling always jumping around bouncing around during warm-ups high-fiving people smacking them on the butt Um, just you know the guy that everybody seems to enjoy on the team Liked him a lot. More guys like him would be a, a fun sport more fun sport to cover than it is and I think there's that's what I like about this team right now this year too is that all 13 guys, heck, 14 if you count this Spencer Mackey phenomenon that's happening now. But all of them are pretty good guys. They're fun to talk to. That wasn't always the same. There were some guys who didn't like the media very much or just who weren't very congenial in general. Um, Huggins always likes to have good guys around him, and I think that that's certainly true this year. And, again, maybe that's why things are working along, working out so well and why they like to practice apart from the game a lot. Um, it helps if you want to be around the people when you got to be around the game longer than you have to be too. So a lot easier to have those 6 a.m. breakfast club meetings that I have when you don't hate the guy that you're shooting with. All right. A lot easier to do these podcasts too, when you don't hate the guy you're talking to, which is, um, it hasn't been stressful. We've strung together quite a few of these and we haven't screamed at each other yet. And we still have, um, more to do here. So, um, we'll end it here. You're right. We are over 60 minutes and I don't think we devoted more to any one of the first two, but basketball is back. Yes, it is. We are a basketball podcast, basketball site, basketball school, Mike. Noted. Well, we will keep it going um, into the future here. January going to be a big month for basketball for sure. Um, but, hey, the past decade, not bad either. And maybe more highs and lows coming in the future. But I think when you look back, um, a lot to like about how they finished, how they started, and also how they recovered from things in the middle too. So um, we'll put a cap on it now. And that is all for this episode. We will see you next time for earsports.com. I am Mike Casaza, And I'm Chris Anderson. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.